This is the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. Live from Gameworks at Newport on the Levee. Now alongside the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, here's your host, Nick Brunk. All right, welcome in a Monday night here at Gameworks in Newport on the Levee as we wrap up and recap a perfect week for the Cyclones. Three games, three wins. Alongside the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, I'm Nick Brunker, I guess. Certainly, we should give him and his group a round of applause. Three wins on the board, and they have now crept even closer and closer to second place Chicago and first place Kalamazoo. Uh, We sat in this very uh, situation last week on this stage and looked ahead to to what was to be a very busy week. Of course, two of those games against South Carolina, as everybody here knows, one of the hottest teams in the ECHL defensively, and you found ways, although in close battles both nights, to pick up wins. Of course, the come-from-behind victory against Toledo, we have plenty to discuss on that as well. Uh, Collectively, a week that that really is a boost for this club as they move into a very busy next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get a situation like this where you've won... uh three in a row and uh you know one division game and a team uh you know one of the hottest teams in the league to go three and oh for the week i mean it was quite a quite an accomplishment for our guys and um you know something that uh it's to build on uh, as we head into deeper into february we we, we met before uh, the the calendar turned into february about uh the opportunity we have this month of playing 12 out of 15 at home and you know getting off to a good start you know uh, uh for this month and uh you know, when you can go three and zero, I think that's a that's a great start for our group. And uh, as we head into another uh, uh, tough situation here with four and five, you know, three against Toledo here that's chasing us. So, you know, I couldn't be prouder of our guys the way they came out. Uh, you know, from Wednesday the way the the, the way the game ended, <laughs> uh, and then of course Friday and Saturday getting two um, two big wins there was uh, was really big for us. We'll get into some specifics about all three games. Certainly, the the storyline for Wednesday was kind of. Two part. You had your first half of the game and the second half of the game. Tell me from start to finish, kind of the, the mentality, the emotion, what was said, what wasn't said. Uh, from start to finish, one of the wildest games I've ever been in, in person to see uh, live. Uh, what were you thinking this whole time? Well, complete frustration the first four and a half minutes in when it was two nothing and then uh, three nothing and, uh, you know, uh, that four nothing and whatever. And it was like, oh, my God, we're going to get embarrassed tonight. Like, this is just, um, you know, right from the start there, just, uh, you know, the you know the first couple goals. And then, um, you know, you can just see the energy on our bench just sort of uh, dissipate, like, you know, and then it just started coming. I mean, it was, you know, by the time it got to be 6-1 there and, um, you know, you just want to see guys competing. You want to see guys, you know, start doing things right, the things that we, we talk about all all season long and um, you know it got to 6-2 and it was like okay at least we're showing a little you know <laughs> a little life here and then at 6-3 it kind of got interesting um, you know you can kind of feel the the momentum a bit but at 6-4 it was definitely you could feel on our bench in the building I mean I think you could feel it everywhere that ice started to get tilted and it was just uh, I mean things started becoming easy for us and we were getting in pucks in and it was uh, it was a lot of fun I mean to sit there at 6-4 going you know we have a great opportunity because it wasn't like there's about a minute left with 6-4. We had lots yeah. of time left on the clock. And then at 6-5, it was almost like you felt it was going to happen. Like, And, uh, you know, when Matt Siska put that in, it, I couldn't believe, uh, you know, you look around and you can see even the fans. I mean, everybody was just, <laughs> you know, beside themselves at, 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 you know, 6-6. And then to see them take that penalty in overtime to make, a, make it a four on three. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the same guy, Matt Siska, to – you know, put a top shelf for that uh, game winner was just incredible because, I mean, 
you know, you talk about a, a roller coaster emotion from you know the, the beginning of the game through the middle of the game to the way the game ended was still <laughs> was quite a quite a night emotional. And I, I I got to hear Nick's goal call the next day, and I was pretty. <laughs> It was wild, huh? Got some pretty good. Uh, that was a great. That was probably your best one of the year. Thank right you. There. Appreciate yeah, that. So. Appreciate that. Uh, it, it was certainly. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Um, for me, it was amazing to see because the first thing Rob and I talked about when it was six to four, I think, was don't look now, but the Cyclones are coming back. Very similarly, almost eerily similar to how you got the goals. It became a barrage of power play chances in the final minutes. Uh, you did this once before. The last time it happened, in fact, the, the previous time you had, had as many power play goals as you had that night was that same night back in November. Actually, it was October 29th. I uh, misspoke for a second. Uh, that you almost came back and just simply ran out of time against Kalamazoo, a game that both of us at the end, we went into the locker room in Kalamazoo and said, we just simply didn't have enough minutes. If there were two or three more minutes yeah. on the clock, we win that game. Yeah, and that that's a, that was the difference with this. When we looked up, and there's still like 10, 12 minutes left, and we we had a two, we were down by two, and you could feel it. Uh, you know, we had life on the bench, we had life in the building, and uh, you know, you're not saying you knew what's going to happen, but there's definitely a great possibility here that we we might be able to tie this game up. What was said, if anything, in the second intermission? I believe it was six to three at that point. Uh, was there any communication other than your well, normal? Well, you know, usually I go in uh, and talk to the guys with about eight minutes to go uh, in the intermission. And, um, you know, sitting there at 6-3 six, uh, six and, you know, thought, thought about maybe not even going in. Just, you know, you know, let them kind of, you know, talk to themselves or whatever. And then I thought, you know what, I've never done that, and I don't want to send the wrong message that I've quit on them. You know what I mean? So... I said, you know what, I'm going to go in there. Andrew Kaus and I are talking. I said, I'm just going to go in there and just ask them to do a couple things. You know, let's just, uh, you know, let's get the uh, neutral zone D to D up the wall. Let's get pucks in and let's start hitting people. You know, if you do those two things, let's just do these two things for two min or, uh, 20 minutes and go from there. You know, there wasn't a we can do this speech, and I think I believe that we're going to come out in the first five and we're – you know, they're going to look at me like, yeah, you're, you know. So I said, let's just start playing the right way, the way that we know how to be successful and, and just focus on a couple things. And, you know, sure enough, it just started. It was 6-2 actually at that point. So it was, mm -hmm. um, you know, it just started snowballing. But, you know, I tell you, at 6-4, that was exciting. Exciting to see it 6-4, 6-5, and then, you know, Matt to throw it on net like that. And uh, uh, it was a very memorable game. Memorable game and, um, you know, you, it can go either way. You know, you kind of – the next day was interesting because, you know, obviously we're excited to get the two points, but we did play 40 minutes of real bad hockey. Yeah. So it's kind of uh, <laughs> you, you, you want to make sure you have send the right message to the guys. You want to make sure they understand that that wasn't our best effort to start the game or in the second period. But you know what? We found a way. We stuck together and, um, you know, we got two points. We'll take your questions tonight. If you want to come up and grab the live mic from Rob, he will give it to you, and you can ask the question of the coach or either of our two guests who will be with us in a bit. Dan Eves and David Ledier are here to discuss uh, that game and the whole weekend worth of stuff. Uh, Dan Eves, a pair of shorthanded goals and a power play tally to talk about as well. Rob, speaking of, go ahead with your question. At 6-1, uh, I kind of want to go back to something that me and Nick had talked about during the broadcast. After you bring in Fogel, he gives up the uh, goal and a second shot in. And it was kind of – that game could have gone two ways. And I thought from that point forward, you're going to find out how much character and how much fight that you guys had left on that team. And I think not only just to get back in the game, but come back and win, that says a lot about the character and, and the guys that you really have in that locker room, especially your leadership. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the one thing for sure about the guys in our team, they, they genuinely care about each other. I mean, they're, they're, they're all coming from different, different areas. Uh, a lot of them are – 
with different organizations or, or you know, looking to get to the different places and stuff. But uh, when they're here in Cincinnati and they're playing for the Cincinnati Cyclones, I think that's a very proud group in there and the guys that have really come a long way. I mean, we're a, a young, young team, but, uh, you know, to see us come back in a game like that is something uh, very special. And I know that these guys, and you're right, Rob, I mean, a lot of it has to do with character. I mean, we've got a great group of guys in there. We've got guys that care about each other and, uh, you know, want to fight for each other. So, um, you know, that was a big moment. And uh, like I said, I'm very proud of the guys. You guys, you ended up bringing in Fogel, who I thought played a heck of a game coming in relief. He made, what was it, 15 out of 16 saves, made some huge saves to keep you guys in it. And then he kept you in until the point where I thought it was a turning point of the game where Dan Eves got the shorthanded goal right there with 11 seconds left on the man advantage. Not only talk about Fogel, but talk about the Eves uh, shorthanded goal and how that propelled you going into that third period as well. Well, anytime you score a shorthanded goal, it's such a big moment in a game. And, you know, Danny to, to, to get that one was a, such a big moment. I mean, that, that really set it up for us. And, uh, um, you know, he's been all over the net recently. And, you know, he does a great job in our PK. It's great to see him get rewarded in that situation. So, um, anytime a shorthanded goal like that, it, it really is a backbreaker. And, you know, looking to Saturday night when they uh, scored their first goal of the game and we answer right back with another Danny shorthanded mm -hmm. goal, that, that's a huge difference in a hockey game. And you've had seven of them on the season, and now it's the, the third most of any team in the ECHL. So you're, you're getting production even when you're short, not to mention your penalty kill, which uh, over their last uh, handful of weeks, uh, for the last 42 power plays, you've killed off 37 of them for the opposition, uh, a number that has continued to rise over the weeks and months. And I know for, uh, for you as a coach and special teams, we talked about it every week. It's, it's amazing to see the improvement on that side. Yeah, we, I mean, we were sitting here last Monday talking about how bad our power play was, um, <laughs> you know, and now we're sitting here going, geez, it uh, really did. Hey, yeah, he's back, I see over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's amazing, and it's, it's such a mindset, and, you know, you, you get that opportunity to get a, a couple goals, and, and then it just sort of snowballs from there, you know, and now, you know, mm -hmm. Maury Edwards, you know, just pounds one at the net, hits their defenseman stick, breaks a stick, and goes in. I mean, you start getting those bounces and stuff, yeah. so... Um, you know, just uh, uh, you just gotta you gotta ride that when you can. You, you we continue to work on. It's not something that we, you know, we, uh, we we disregard for a while. I mean, power play and PK is something we talk about and work on consistently. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But uh, I'm sure glad it kicked in this week. Before we look ahead to South Carolina and the the final two games of the weekend, the, the perhaps biggest note of the of the weekend outside of the wins, of course, was somewhere elsewhere than Cincinnati. It was down in, in Florida where the former Cyclone goaltender Brian Foster uh, made his NHL debut, becoming the ninth Cyclone in franchise history to make his NHL debut, picking up a almost five minutes, 4.52 to be precise. Made a save, so he's on Hockey DB as an NHL goalie, officially in. And uh, for you as a coach, having a chance to coach him, he's been at all three levels this season. Uh, and it's amazing to think, and I think for m most people in here they know, but uh, this time last year, I think just about this time last year was when the Cyclones first received him. Prior to that, he was playing in the CHL. So for him to, to rise as quickly as he has to the NHL is impressive. Yeah, and I think he's the happiest here in Cincinnati. So uh, maybe <laughs> we'll get him back here soon. So, um, yeah, I, mean, I think it's crazy. I mean, it's great for our guys to see that, you know, one, one day he's, uh, you know, here with us and a few days later he's up in the National Hockey League. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, things happen. And whether you're a goaltender and, or, you know, whatever your position, things happen. Sometimes they happen fast. Sometimes they're just, uh, you know, unique situations. But, you know, it's great to see Fozzie get in there and actually get in the game. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a big difference between backing up, getting in that environment and actually stopping an NHL shot and getting that, that opportunity. So, you know, I think it's great. Great for Fozzie and uh, great for his confidence. And, uh, 
you know, we still anticipate getting him back here at some point once the whole organization gets healthy. And I'm not positive because I haven't looked at the box score because it's hard to really tell, but the picture that, that is on the website now at CyclonesHockey.com, you know who he stopped? Who was it? Steven Stamkos. Oh, nice. As far as I know, he's the one with the puck barely off of his stick, and it's on the left pad, so congratulations to him. Another guy who is, has risen quickly, or at least of late, has really turned it back on is a guy you've worked with quite a bit in practice over the last couple of weeks, and that's Jonathan Hazen, who has quietly put together a four-point streak, a uh, four-game point streak, and, and for a guy that has been kind of molded for the beginning of the season to now, uh, it's nice to see him getting the numbers. Yeah, you know, Jonathan's uh, you know, Jonathan's very, very young kid, and I know we, we, we've, you guys have seen a lot of young guys come through, and we have young guys too, but, you know, he's, uh, there's obviously a language uh, barrier here, which you guys have seen before too yeah. with Montreal affiliation and stuff, but, you know, Jonathan's a young guy. Like, he's a very young guy, uh, first time away from home type situation, and, uh, you know, you knew he was going to take a little bit longer, and, uh, you know, for order for him to be successful, you know, he needs to be fully charged to confidence. I mean, he can't be you know, doubting himself any bit. And, you, you know, you, we've seen him this season where, you know, he hasn't played his best or he hasn't played, his ice time has been uh, relatively light. And, you know, now I think he's coming to a point now where his confidence is, is, is there. He's getting stronger. He's a young guy that needs to get stronger. But I think he's realizing how to play the pro game. You know, a lot of times guys come out of junior hockey and, you know, things that work in junior don't work against, you know, 25, 27-year-old men. You're not against 16, 17-year-old kids anymore. So, um, I think Jonathan's figuring that out, and we've always known he can skate. He's got great ability. He's finally putting it all together and playing with that confidence, and it's, it's great to watch. I think, uh, you know, as the, as, the, as the season goes on here, I think we, he, we're going to be counting on him for bigger and bigger minutes and, and, and more output than, than what he's doing now, but it's great to see him uh, finally getting on the board consistently. As we look back to the weekend, a couple of games against South Carolina, you really knew what this team was going to do. Uh, the game plan, pretty simple. They set up their offense via the one-timer. They like to work on the power play. They don't allow a lot of goals, but they don't score a lot of goals. And basically, we saw exactly that for, for two nights in a row. They were who we thought they were. Exactly. Denny Green with the quote there. And you obviously came in with the, the mentality of shutting down their top two guys by pushing them out to the half wall and not letting them dangle towards the middle. Uh, was the game plan executed perfectly in your eyes um, over the two games? You know, at times I thought, uh, you know, all the things that we talked about to the team was uh, was very accurate. I mean, we're, we're going to have to fight for space in front of the net. We're going to have to, you know, use our, our score. Uh, anytime we get a score, a shooting opportunity, we're going to have to shoot the puck. They don't allow too many shots. Their defense, all six of them are solid, solid defensemen. So everything we're going to have to earn. And, um, you know, offensively, you know, just shut down that top line, you know, uh, LaCroix and um, um, the other uh, Pierre, Luke O'Brien. O'Brien, yep. And, they, I mean, they have a couple other quality guys. That Dika Straza was the first time I got to see him. Mm -hmm. I thought he was a pretty good player. Yeah. But, um, you know, they're exactly what we thought. And, um, you know, we, I thought the guys did a good job on Friday. I didn't think we played particularly well Saturday. I thought that game was uh, pretty sloppy. I thought we they came out with a very short lineup, and I thought they took the play to us uh, first first. Uh, First period, I thought uh, the second period, definitely, we only had three shots on net. But, uh, you know, that's that's the thing with your power play and opportunities. You know, with um, you know, we find ourselves being outplayed, I felt, in the first period, but we have a 2-1 lead. You know, uh, we get a shorthanded goal from Dan Eves, a power play goal, and we got a 2-1 lead. So, you know, and then to catch that break by Abby behind the net, it's, it's just absolutely crazy how that puck went in. But, um, you know, when you're, when you're on a roll and you know, things are going well, good things like that happen to you. So... 
you know, we'll make no apologies for that uh, two points, and we'll uh, we'll take the win. You mentioned South Carolina playing short. You played short Friday before Devin Hen- or, uh, Kevin Henderson, my I should say, got into the lineup on Saturday. Uh, I guess springboarding off of that point, tell us where the team is health-wise, because we know Garrett Suter, Justin Vibe, Mike Leambus, those kind of names that haven't been in the roster uh, on the roster actively for uh, a little while now. Tell us where we are in that regard. Well, uh, Justin Vibe will be available this weekend. Uh, he's going to have to wear a cage uh, with his helmet because of that uh, the, the orbital bone that, that was uh, fractured. So, you know, Justin Vibe will be in the lineup. Mike Leambus this weekend could be in the lineup, but uh, as a uh, as Wednesday goes, uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna go with the same lineup we have right now. Uh, Chris Reed is um, getting close. You know Garrett Suter is gonna be a while also, but uh, you know we're anticipating for sure for the weekend uh, Leambus and, and Vibe and potentially Reed. We might be able to get him in a game or two. So um, we may be receiving a player from Milwaukee tomorrow. Um, so we'll have to wait to see who that may be, and then. Um, you ready to go? Assuming that the player doesn't switch and, and you have to move another player out, uh, Kevin Henderson in a couple of uh, opportunities to see him in uh, short shifts early on, but he really is a big guy, threw his weight around, and uh, I guess from where I sat, did pretty well in his first game. Yeah, Kevin hasn't played in four months. He hurt himself at training camp in Portland uh, in the American Hockey League, so uh, you know he'd got into a couple practices. He'd been working out. He'd been keeping himself in shape back home in Toronto and then you know basically came in here, practiced for a few days, did some battle drills with him, and uh, I thought he, he did fairly well. Like you said, Nick, he's a big guy. He skates very well. I like how aggressive he is. He's aggressive in all situations, and, uh, you know, he'll get a lot of ice time on Wednesday and in throughout the weekend here and see how he uh, he can contribute with our team. Rob? Get back to the uh, the weekend series. Talk about the play of, uh, of, of uh, Fogel coming in on Wednesday night. The game's Friday and Saturday. For a guy that really hasn't seen a lot of game action, he looked like uh, he hadn't missed a beat really the whole weekend. Yeah, I mean, Fogey was, uh, you know, he, he had the weekend off there when we went up to Chicago, obviously, with a number situation with Foster and, and Pickard that, uh, you know, Fogey stayed back and we got back on the ice and, uh, you know, he had a couple practices and had to go in that tough situation on Wednesday and, and did great. I mean, uh, he, he made some big saves or was, uh, you know, kept, kept the score where it was at least. And then, um, you know, I thought he earned that start for Friday and, and did such a great job and again Saturday. So, you know, we're, we're in a situation where we're affiliated. We're, you know, we, we have the double affiliation. And as the season goes along, you've got to keep certain people happy. You're, you're here to develop players. But at the end of the day, we're, the Cincinnati Cyclones are here to win hockey games. And, and we're at a point, uh, not starting now, we've been at a point now for a few, uh, for a while that, you know, we have to find ways to win hockey games. That's the bottom line. It's not so much about guys feelings at this point about who's in the lineup who's not who gets what ice time we're 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 in the business of winning hockey games and if brad fogel is going to be the guy that's going to uh get us those wins and he will get the starts the last the, the last thing on uh, on fogel not exactly the biggest goalie in the world we'll call him about bronx size we'll call him about 5 10 170 but uh speaking just talk that's about generous. how technically sound really he is and the way he plays the angles i thought he did a real good job out front with the traffic as well, four or five guys in front of him, he was still able just to peek around the traffic and make the saves that he had to make. Yeah, I'll go with the 5'7", 160 on Brad Fogle, but um, <laughs> 5'10", very generous. Yes. Um, you know, he is a little guy, but, you know, he, when you're a little guy, you have to learn how to play a different way. You can't play like a big guy. You have to play within your limits, and I think that's one thing that Brad does very well is he, he knows how to play as a little guy, and you have to challenge more. You can't be deep in your net. He's going to get beat by some higher shots. I thought the Saturday night, the 
the De Castraza goal. I mean, it was a great shot, but, you know, he, he's got to come out on those and be a little further out from the paint because of his size. But, um, you know, he does a great job. I thought uh, he's very athletic. I think he's a, he's a student of the game. He understands the game. He reads plays very well. When you're that small also, you're going to have to read plays. You can't rely on your size and pucks hitting you. So he very he does a very good job of tracking pucks. And, uh, you know, we'll see how, we'll see how long it goes. He's going to get the start on Wednesday. And um, we'll see where we take it from there. As always, we take questions from the crowd. If you want to ask a question to the coach or any of the players, come on up and grab the live mic. Our first one from the crowd is Mike. Kyle, Mike, go ahead. Hey, Jared. Hey, Mike. Hey, what did you do to change the momentum on that Wednesday night game? You know what? I, I, people always say the coach must have done something. But I, I tell you, what, a lot of times it's players, like I said, I, I just went in and said, let's focus on a couple of things. Do these things right. You know, let's just go doing these, these two things. And, you know, let's go from there. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I think in those situations, I think you got to give a lot of credit to your leadership and the guys in the room. You know, I, it gets to a point when you got a Matthew Aubin in there that's going to challenge people. You know, he's evolved in his role from day one since he's been here. And, um, you know, those guys, you got to give a lot of credit to your leadership, you know, because those guys go in there too and they're, they're not afraid to let guys have it or, or just let people know, uh, you know, what, what, what's going on and how they're feeling about the situation. Bailey has a question. Bailey, go ahead. Um, what's the most difficult visiting team city to play in? Oh, difficult as in uh, the one place we don't like to go is Wheeling. It's not a fun place to go to, but the most difficult building to go in and win. I mean, obviously, Kalamazoo's, a, uh, we see them so many times, and, yeah. you know, within the division, that, that makes it a tough place to play. I think it's a fun place to play. It's a small building. The games are exciting, but... I definitely have to say uh, uh, Kalamazoo is one of the tougher places to go into. It certainly is, and I think that you look at the numbers there historically that they dictate that. It's mm -hmm. just for everybody, not just the Cyclones. They have a tremendous home record over the years. More questions from the crowd before we break. Hi. Hi. How you doing? I, I got a quick question for you. When you pull the goalie, when you pull Pickard out and you put Fogle in, is there a criteria you're looking for? I mean, is it points, or do you look for – how they're covering i mean if it's you know a shootout or something like that you know, um, it's just in that situation i had enough to see in chat that I, that's where that goes you know when it's okay. it's was it five one at that point yeah. yes you five know, to one. That, just, that's enough like okay. you know we're not right. this ain't going to get any better and you know sometimes i i left chet in one game in kalamazoo we had a tough night um you know i think we were playing there on a friday and chet wasn't playing very well and it was about the third period I wasn't going to pull him at that point, put Foster in, because Foster was getting the start on Saturday. Okay. So I felt there's no need, you know, to put Foster in for 15 minutes in the third period. He's been sitting on the bench. So I let, let you know, let Chet in, left him in there. You know, he let in a couple more at that point. You know, what can you do? But, you know, uh, Wednesday night was, you know, he let the first two in, you know. The third one I felt wasn't quite his fault. It was a nice play, backdoor tap in. Then it got to four, and it was like, okay, you know, I said one more, and he's out of there. And, you know, and he understands. It's not something that's it's an easy decision at that point, you know, and, and sometimes you think maybe you should do it a little earlier, um, depending on the goals. But, um, no, that's basically what that was. That's the, He had enough. Good question. I got another question for yeah. you. Um, I'm a season ticket holder, right? Yeah. And I came to Saturday night's game. Friday night we played great, but Saturday night, to me it seemed like the passing was off. This is a big hockey month. Do you think the guys were tired going into Saturday's game? I mean, we got 12 games this month. I mean, just at home. Just at home. Should, should, we, yeah. should we cancel some games? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 
Um, no, I mean, yeah, they, they, they didn't play that very well. I mean, I thought Saturday, we, it was a sloppy game. I, I, I didn't think we – I thought they looked better. The, they had eight forwards and five defensemen, and I thought they looked better uh, Saturday than they did sun, uh, uh, Friday night. I thought they came at us from the start. They, that, that team looked very crisp, very sharp, and we didn't look good at all, you know. And um, I think we, we strayed from the game plan a little bit. We, we were trying to get too cute. We weren't getting pucks in. We weren't really moving our feet. And it just started, you know, then it got to be a little frustrating after a while. And, uh, you know, fortunately we got the win, but it definitely, you're right, it wasn't our best game on Saturday. We didn't look uh, – we didn't look sharp, and it was a very—it was a sloppy game on our end. Oh yeah, but everybody's in the same boat. Uh, South Carolina played uh, Wednesday and traveled from Kalamazoo. They didn't get in till you know two, three in the morning. You know, if anybody, we had a better schedule than them. You know, we played at home, so you know, there's nothing. You try to give the guys rest. You try to whatever you can do, but um, you know, at this time of year, there's no no excuses. I mean, everybody's playing the same games and stuff. Except us, we got about seven less than everybody else, but we'll, True story. we'll make them up. All right, last Thanks. question before the break. I'm Savannah. My question is, how do, you, how do the players know when it's their time to go on and off the bench? Well, usually at about 45 seconds, your legs start to burn, your lungs start to burn, and uh, you know it's time to get off. So it's, it's, it's a thing that, you know, you know in hockey you're going out there for 45 seconds to a minute, and once you see one guy change, it's sort of the – rule you want you get at least the forwards to change get off at the same time so you know from a standpoint of uh, usually you want to be out there about 45 seconds to a minute and that's enough so um, you know there, there's once a guy dumps it in that's when everybody's cue to change and you go sometimes it doesn't work perfectly sometimes too many guys go over the boards when they're not supposed to but uh, <laughs> um, you know that's uh, that, that's basically about 45 seconds to a minute is a shift a good question the other Thank thing you. is bob case the uh, team trainer has a stopwatch on the bench and oftentimes we'll shout out kind of where people are at just in case maybe you're aware or not quite aware or somebody on the ice may be listening and, and hearing him shout you know usually it's 30 35 40 and it counts down obviously to have somebody like that on the bench who serves multiple purposes not yeah. just on the bench but in the locker room it's nice to have i think it's great having bob because sometimes you know from from my end you know you're you're watching certain things or you're talking to someone or and you lose track of exactly how much time if they've been out there and bob yeah you know, say, hey, that's been 40 seconds, or, you know, sometimes I, uh, he'll say it's only, that's only been a 20-second shift. So, Bob, it's great to have Bob yell out uh, shift lengths and times and stuff like that. It really helps us out. More to get to on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. When we return, we'll be joined by the man that has scored a goal in three consecutive games, two of which were shorthanded. It's Dan Eves. He is next on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show on the Cyclones Radio Network. This is CyclonesHockey.com. We are back for another segment of the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. Thank you for being with us on this Monday night. We will be back again next Monday night. A programming note, though, of course, as... The Monday game on the 20th will be upon us at 2 o'clock at U.S. Bank Arena for a President's Day matinee. There will be no coaches show on the 20th, so make sure you mark your calendars appropriately. Our next guest has had two shorthanded goals in his last three games, three goals overall, and, of course, continues to rise on the point sheet with the uh, solid weekend against South Carolina and Toledo, or I guess a week with three games in, uh, in four nights. Give it up for number 16, Dan Eves. Welcome in. Thank you, sir. How is everything going? Everything is going quite well at the moment. I'm, I'm very happy to hear you. Uh, obviously, uh, for you, coming off of an injury, it's always frustrating. It takes time. Uh, it's a patience issue. you got to make sure you, you don't get too high, don't get too low, because it takes a long time, right? And then you have to put on the cage. 
after getting hit up high. That had to be frustrating. Tell us what it was like now that Justin Vibe is going to have the distinct honor of putting back the, the chrome in front of his face. What it was like for that couple of weeks that you had to wear it? Uh, well, I'm, I'm definitely glad I could give it up. Uh, you never want to see a guy have to put the cage on, but uh, as soon as I could get rid of that thing, trust me, it was gone. <laughs> uh, you know, once that happened, I was just, you know, I started finally feeling healthy before that happened, and then, you know, you get hit, lose another tooth, you got to put the stupid cage on. Just thinking, you know, what, what else could go wrong at this point, you yeah. know? And, but luckily, you know, I'm all healed up right now, and uh, I got the cage off, and, and, I'm, and I'm finally starting to feel healthy, probably for the first time in almost two years now, which is, which is pretty crazy, but uh, starting to feel pretty good about myself. Well, and you're obviously making uh, production out of that. Your health has, has really become uh, a good thing now that you're back and, and feeling good. You're getting goals, and a lot of the goals you've scored of late have come off of rebounds and good plays. Crashing the net, just great fundamental hockey. Talk about that. Yeah, you know, I've, I've been trying to, to stick with my routine and, and not really change anything up here. Uh, you know, I was kind of, you know, you get into January without a goal and you're kind of wondering to yourself, you know, I've been hurt a little while, but at the same point, you kind of got to break the ice there. And, and I, I tried to stay true to myself and, and how I play and how I approach the game and, and how I get ready for everything the same way. And you know, fortunately, the past few games, it, it, it's finally turned around, and, and I've got a little production out of it. All right, from a player's standpoint, we just talked to, to Coach about how he felt and how it, it was in the locker room for him as a, as a man watching the, the play un, unfold and develop on Wednesday night. As a player, tell us from start to finish how it felt for you. What was said from players' perspectives? Well, uh, my personal perspective, my first three shifts, I was minus two, so it was not a good start for me. Uh, or my line mates at that point. And, uh, you know, you're thinking, is this just going to be one of those games that, you know, you don't want to be a part of because it, it's 5-1, 6-1, and you're just thinking, oh, man. I, uh, to be honest, I, there, I felt really bad for Chet because I didn't think it was his fault whatsoever. And, and you know, he gets pulled. Scalds has to send a spark through the team, and Fogey comes in and kind of shuts the door. And then to come all the way back, everyone's whooping it up after the game and everything. And, and you know, you kind of – you can't help but feel bad for Cheddar there because he, he felt like he really wasn't a part of it. But in, in all honesty, it was the 18 of us in front or the 17 of us in front of him that, that kind of let him down in the beginning. But just a complete whirlwind overall. You know, you're sitting there, that six one goes in, and you're thinking, oh, man, like, this cannot get any worse. And you start chipping away. Arnie, Arnie got the second goal, I think, there. And, you know, or at least it'll be respectable. And then... I got that, that third goal, and, and by that point, uh, you know, you're kind of thinking, you know, maybe, maybe this could work. It's only three shots. Anything could happen. Their goalie wasn't exactly, you know, shutting us down by any means. And you get four, and then everyone starts getting going. The crowd gets into it, and five and six. And then by that point, you're thinking there's no way we can lose this game. I mean, it's, it's, it's got to be meant to be, and, and it turned out to be that way. And, you know, can't say anything, uh, anything other than it was just an amazing feeling, especially with the crowd. I wasn't the biggest crowd ever. I mean, Wednesday night, but it was it was one of our louder crowds. So it was yeah. just it was awesome to finish the comeback. It's hard not to get fired up, and, and there was I think three thousand some there in the building almost uh, and Wednesday night. So uh, a good crowd nonetheless, but certainly loud as you yeah, mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about baseball. I know we we talk about hockey on on the show regularly, obviously being a hockey show, but baseball <laughs> being a big hockey fan or a big baseball fan that you are from Detroit over the last couple of years, three to four years, the Tigers have had a resurgence and now have made. Uh, I think Reds fans pretty happy by picking up Prince Fielder, taking him away from the Milwaukee Brewers, a division rival. Uh, as a baseball fan, really as a sports fan of Detroit, it's it's good time right now to be be in Motown. Big things are happening for Detroit, that's for sure. It's uh, it's pretty exciting, uh, especially with the Lions coming back. 
the Red Wings are always up near the top, and, and I'd say the last five years the Tigers have been making a climb. And, you know, if they weren't the favorites for the, the Central this year, uh, a few weeks ago they definitely are now, and, and, you know, who knows beyond that. So especially, you know, they said Victor Martinez isn't completely out for the season, so who knows mm -hmm. if they get him back too. The, the three combo right through the middle of the lineup there would just be unbelievable. So you, you think that they have a, ch a legitimate chance to be a World Series contender, enough so that you'd be willing to bet money on them? I, yes, I, if it's against you, I'll bet money any day. Yeah. Uh, I, Not against know, Vegas, though. <laughs> I, I thought they had a legitimate shot this year. I mean, they have uh, Cabrera, who's arguably one of the best hitters in the game, mm -hmm. and, and, and Verlander, as you've seen, first pitcher in a while to win MVP. So, you know, good things are happening in Detroit right now. Rob? Were you a guy, were you a kid growing up, along with hockey, did you play any baseball? And if you did, what did you play? Yeah, I played uh, a lot of baseball actually up until high school when I kind of made the decision to stick with hockey. But uh, I was mainly a shortstop and a catcher growing up. I really, you know, a lot of kids get into the wannabe pitcher mode and, and this and that, but that really wasn't me. Uh, you know, once I started playing catcher, I really loved that. And, you know, everyone loves being at the plate, so that was a lot of fun too. You said you play catcher. Did you have, ever have any aspirations to play goalie? Definitely not. I, the extent of me playing goalie would be with the, the black Mylac pads in my basement pretending I was <laughs> Tim Shovelday or something like that, but definitely didn't want to be a goalie yeah, growing up. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's, yeah, not, it's not for everybody. No, and I, yeah. yeah. I, just, just like you, <laughs> you know, enough. If, if the puck's Touché, coming at me, I'm Dan, probably closing Touché. my eyes. So. <laughs> okay, as we get into the second half, getting back to hockey now, um, and off of my lack of goaltending skill, uh, you obviously have a lot of games, as we talked about, and that has become a theme. And you've been in these situations before being a veteran, and you know, you know what it takes to be successful. Uh, at a point in time now where it's really, I want to say it's a complete turning point in the season, because Jared and I have had conversations about that on the, uh, the pregame shows over the last few weeks. From a playing perspective, knowing what is ahead with all those games in hand, and you keep putting together wins, You've won three in a row now, points in four straight. It's got to get to a point now where you're thinking, if we can just keep going on this roll, we're going to be you know, looking pretty once we get into March when we do pick up those games in hand and start playing them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we talk about it every day, even, even from day one of the season. We, we need to put points together on a consistent basis, and, and fortunately we've been doing that as of late. And like you said, we have so many games in hand. It seems like every time you look at the, the standings or anything, we're still five and six games back of everybody. Yeah. And we haven't really even been in the playoff race at all just because of the lack of games we've played. But, you know, we've been doing a good job as of late. And, uh, you know, we've been stressing a lot. Even uh, something I really liked that Scaldi put on the board uh, Saturday. Um, is it going to be a great week or a, a good week or a great week? You know, we win the first two games. You know, say we drop the third. Okay, it's been a good week. Two out of three, that kind of thing. But we're at the point now it needs to start being a great week. We need to take three out of three. You know, no matter what it takes, we got to get that win. And, and you know, I, I heard Scott talk about it earlier. We really didn't play our best, at, to say the least, on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Somehow found a way to get the win, and, and those two points are huge. And, you know, down the road, who knows what that's going to mean. But so definitely it's, uh, you know, I really like that, and I, I, I kind of hope we keep going with it. You know, are we going to have a good week or are we going to have a great week? One of the other things that keeps you busy, obviously practice and games is busy enough, but you're also very involved now, kind of the, the Cyclones uh, ambassador for Hockey Players for Kids, hp4k.org. Uh, tell us what's going on in that world these days. Uh, we got a lot of good things going on. You know, uh, before Christmas we wrapped up our Stick to Reading program with uh, one of the local schools here. 
and uh, we keep having every every few home games we have an auction with uh, some of the players' gears that I, that I've been getting autographed. Actually, this past weekend we did really well. Um, the fan support here is unbelievable with HP4K. I, I guess you could pretty much say HP4K is home is Cincinnati with mm -hmm. the following we have here, and you know. The fans who help us raise the money are really the heart and soul of this because without that, we couldn't do the things we do. You know, we donate books to schools. Just keeping the programs together, you know, that takes time and effort. And I, the Booster Club here helps us out phenomenally. Mm -hmm. uh, specifically, my, my right-hand man, per se, would be uh, Sherry Chapman, who helps me out a ton. Uh, Herb as well, um, anytime we need anything. But right now, we're trying to get another... Um, in terms of our programs, I'm trying to organize another stick-to-reading program for this month, but obviously with how many games we play, it, it's looking like it might be extremely hard. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we're still trying to do things on a consistent basis. Um, I've been talking with a few schools. Obviously, we're going to a school on Thursday. Yes, uh, yes. Through the team, which is, you know, HP4K, piggy we'll piggyback that one. Yes, absolutely. Um, but... Uh, you know, it, it's a good cause, and, and I got into it um, a little bit when I was in South Carolina. Uh, Maddie Shear is part of it. Spencer Carberry, obviously the coach now. And then uh, just so happened when I stayed here this summer for surgery and rehab, who do I move in with? Dustin Sproat, mm -hmm. one of the founders of, of HP4K. So I was able to get a little more involved and, and take it from there. And, you know, Dusty's back going to school in uh, Canada now, so I kind of took over the reins here. and. And, you know, it, it's something I have a passion for, and I really enjoy doing. So well, it, it doesn't seem like work at all. Well, we're certainly happy that you're uh, here as well and obviously uh, continued success the rest of the season. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, sir. That's Dan Eves. We'll come back with David Ledier. He will be with us to talk hockey and more next on the Cyclones Radio Network. CyclonesHockey.com. Another segment live at GameWorks here on this Monday night, February the 6th, day after Super Bowl Sunday. What do we all think of the game? Positive, negative? Any, anybody enjoy? I thought it was a pretty decent game, somewhat entertaining. Uh, speaking of, we have a guy who's a football fan, I think, at least a little bit. It's David Ledier. Give it up for the Cyclone D-man, David Ledier. What's up, man? How's it going? Great. How was your Super Bowl Sunday? That was pretty good. Did you do yeah. anything fun? I just hung out with a bunch of the guys. I uh, got together and did the typical square thing. and uh, you know. Who won? Uh, believe it or not, Chet came out big. So, uh, it's big. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him after a, a weekend away. Uh, obviously, certainly, uh, you talk about your, yourself and, and you're, you're busy on the ice, but you're also quite busy off the ice, kind of tag-teaming off of what we talked with, uh, with Dan about uh, and the HP4K involvement. It's amazing. Uh, you see on a, on a daily basis, and there, there's stuff going on, uh, even when maybe uh, the, the whole team isn't going out as a group. There's sometimes three, four guys. Thursday's an example, going to a local school to read uh, to some kids, and you're one of the main people that are almost always, I think it's you and Dan and, and Mike Liambus, amongst others, that they're all taking turns, but, but you're quite active in this market. Talk about that, and, and over the years, is it something that, that you've done more as you've come along? Uh, I've done more as I've come along. Uh, you know, Cincinnati has a great following for hockey, so mm -hmm. it's good to give back to the community uh, in, that, in that scenario. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I did the first hospital visit this year, and just to see the smiles on the kids' face, you know, it really it made, it made you feel good and want, wanted you to go back and do it some more. And the Stick to Reading program capped off, as he mentioned, at uh, one of the local schools, and, and you, were, you had a chance. For those that may not know, uh, they do a reading program over the span of, I think it's four weeks, uh, you go back to kind of check things up during the, the two-week period after they read. You wait another two weeks, and they go back and play the winners of the, of the reading competition in a floor hockey game. You played in that game. How'd you do? 
Uh, did well. Pretty well? Yeah. Plus yeah, three, gave, four? Gave, gave some good efforts yeah, in there, but so. uh, let the kids uh, do well, too. So It's amazing, too. You, you mentioned the smiles and obviously being able to, to, to help somebody uh, maybe that's not on their best situation, their, their best environment. Obviously, hospitals are, are always a tough place to visit, uh, and you see just the, the kids' faces light up no matter who they are, no matter what they're there for, no matter how long they're there. Uh, to, to get a visit from a professional athlete, it means a lot to them, and I know it means a lot to you guys, too. Yeah, you know, it's like I said, it's great to see the smiles. Um, you know, it's not an everyday thing where they get a professional athlete coming in to see them. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, any, any little thing that can help them make, make them feel good about themselves for the day, uh, it really goes a long way. Well, you've been busy on the ice, obviously, with the defensive core kind of having a little bit of a, of a short staff situation with, with Garrett Suter on the, on the shelf and, of course, Mike Liambis still uh, hampering a hip injury a bit. Uh, so that means for somebody like you who's one of the stable D-men back there who's been here all season, that's a lot of work for you. Tell us about it. Yeah, it is a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty draining, but uh, that's, that's why I play this game. You know, I, I love getting the ice time, and uh, every time I've had my best games this year, it's when I'm getting a lot of ice time like mm -hmm. that, you know, when we're short, like 4 or 5D. Uh, going out there every other shift, I feel that I'm, I'm into the game more. You know, you're not sitting there waiting, waiting. Right. You're basically going out every other shift, and every once in a while you get an extra little rest in. But sure. uh, you're active, you're in the game, and uh, th those are the games I play my best. Rob? Now, the last uh, couple games, it really seems that your guys' penalty kill is really giving you guys a spark. Talk about the pride you guys take in, in playing shorthanded and how that's really changed the momentum in two out of the three games, getting those shorthanded goals. Oh, well, it's great getting shorthanded goals. You know, anytime you can get those, that helps out a lot. Um, uh, it helps the guy out in the box, too. It makes him feel a lot better uh, when you <laughs> score. But, uh, yeah, you know, we just uh, cast at the beginning of the year. He said he wants, you know, our power play and penalty kill, you wanted to add up to 100. So, I mean, uh, power play has been, you know, okay. It's been really good recently, which, which has helped out a lot. You know, that's contributed to our success here. And, uh, you know, our, <clears throat> our penalty kill has been great all year. And, you know, we just take pride in that. You know, it's, uh, that's the four and five, including the goalie, just sticking together out there. For what it's worth, you're 100.8 <laughs> combined. So, there you go. success there. Yep. Rob, go ahead. But, Talk about what do you think the uh, what has changed for you guys on the power play? You guys were slumping a little bit. Then all of a sudden you come out last week like gangbusters. Five for your last nine really helped put the game away on a Saturday night as well. Yeah, you know, uh, some of it's uh, a little a little luck catching some breaks, but uh, we've had a lot of good movement in the power play, which is uh, good. You know, you really want to be moving the puck, uh, not just standing there and just passing it. Movement with the puck and as players as well. You know, you want them to be turning around, having to decide. You know, should I take him? You want them to get confused out there, so we've been doing that a lot recently. As you look ahead to this busy schedule for somebody who, like you just mentioned, gets a lot of ice time, it's probably going to be good for you, a good thing. is You're probably, at least for now, going to be in that same situation. At what point do you have to, to maybe look at conserving energy, and if so, how do you do it? Uh, you know, it's not about conserving energy. It's about playing smart out there. Um, you know, your, your mind never gets tired. Your, you know, your legs will get tired, but your, your mind never gets tired, so... Uh, when your legs are tired, you really got to think out there because uh, mm -hmm. that's the first thing that goes. When your legs get tired, you do dumb mistakes. So you just got to make sure that you do the little things right. Just, you know, I've been recently in this past couple of weeks just been moving that puck up and letting the forwards do it, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, and you get your points doing that as a defenseman. So, right. um, you know, obviously I've been uh, getting some goals here recently. But, uh, you know, majority of your points are going to be assists, you know, getting that puck up and then they let the forwards do their job and mm -hmm. score. And now you look into this coming week, it's, it's a busy week with four games in five days beginning Wednesday night. 
both against two of the weaker teams in the league, Trenton and Toledo. Uh, it's hard to really look at, at one week and, and say uh, that this is a, a must-win week because there's still a lot of hockey to play and still seven games down. But this is a chance for you to really separate yourselves from those two teams in the Eastern Conference standings, isn't it? Yeah, well, every, every game is really a must-win. You know, uh, early in the year, I, I've seen it happen so many times with this uh, North Division. Uh, when you get down to playoffs at the, at the end, it, it's – really like five points separates eight and one yeah so uh you know the, every point matters you know the guys you know start off in the slump and everything at the start and say listen guys this happens every year uh these points mean everything so uh you you're, you don't want to regret it getting down at the end of the year and uh, having to be scrambling to get that last spot in the playoffs. And last but not least, I mean, you're one of the, the, the more veterans uh, defensemen on this team. So with the young group that this team has collectively, still one of the youngest teams in the ECHL, that's especially the case on defense. Uh, has anybody turned to you specifically out there to maybe you know, look and ask for advice, maybe, maybe have you guide them a bit as they're, they're still learning the pro game? Uh, well, I, I try to show, I lead by example out there. Uh, they haven't really come up to me yet or anything, but... Uh, you know, if you lead by example, they'll, they'll, they'll watch you and they'll see what you're doing. They'll see your habits and uh, they'll pick up on them and, and they'll learn. I mean, right now, I mean, they're technically, there's some rookies out there, but they're not rookies anymore. They've, right. they've played like 35, you know, almost 40 games now. So that rookie phase is out. Um, so you can't really use that excuse anymore. You get a chance to wear the A. What does that mean to you? Uh, it means a lot. You know, it means that uh, the coaches think a lot about me. They think highly of me that I'm a good leader out there. Uh, and that's all that's always a good feeling you know um, the guys they look up to you that they go to you for advice uh, so like I said I just try I try to lean by example out there and it goes a long way continued success thanks for being with us thank you that's defenseman David Leader the assistant captain for the Cyclones we'll come back and wrap things up on this Monday night with another segment with head coach Jared Scaldi on the Cyclones radio network Cyclones Radio Network. Back for one final segment on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show with the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi and Rob Roberts. I'm Nick Brunker. Thank you for being with us on this Monday night. Again, we'll do it one more time next week, Monday 7 to 8. And be with us for that as we uh, will hopefully be recapping another very successful week for Jared Scaldi's Bunch, which begins Wednesday. A wet Wednesday with Dollar PBR, Dollar Miller High Life. It uh, will also be uh, Pucks and Pinot pregame wine tasting, but not uh, on the ice. Obviously, you guys have business to take care of. It's a, great, no way to start you. It's a great way to start your week right there. And obviously, for on the ice, uh, hopefully a chance to, to pick up yet another win against the Walleye. Right now, you have four games in hand, and you're ahead of them by six points. As mentioned with, with Leeds and, uh, and with uh, Dan about how this week is an opportunity for you to, to kind of make that separation even more great uh, as you move through the rest of the month. Game plan, I would imagine, doesn't change a whole lot from the last seven days. Um, no, I mean, obviously, we've, we've watched uh, uh, our, our game on Wednesday against Toledo, and we watched la the last game Toledo played against Kalamazoo on Saturday. So, you know, the one thing that Toledo does is, um, you know, they, 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 they pull you into a game you don't want to play, and, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it makes you want to, uh, you know, start start cheating and start doing some things and it's just just the way Toledo plays that it, we it seems that every time we play them we get drawn into a game that we don't want to be played that way so I think the most important thing for us is staying structured staying to our system and not getting pulled into a game a game like that so we want to you know do the things that, that that make us successful and stay with it for 60 minutes that's how we'll beat Toledo so uh 
you know, again, uh, special teams will be a big part of it. Pink in the rink night is this Friday where we'll be obviously wearing specialty jerseys, which you can see a picture of that on CyclonesHockey.com. The jersey should be here by tomorrow, so I'll have a picture of that on, up on the blog and on Facebook so you can uh, take a look at that. Of course, the proceeds going to Pink Ribbon Girls. Always a great night, uh, uh, opportunity to, to support a great cause, but also wear a pretty slick-looking jersey too. Nice. No, I think any, the pink and the rink nights are always great. Uh, the, the cause is terrific, and uh, I think our, our, our team does such a great job with the jerseys. I think they look terrific, and uh, uh, it'll be a fun night on Friday night. And then Saturday, you're going to do what you did in Chicago, in a sense, change up the, the travel schedule a bit. Instead of on normal game days, at least how it had been in the first half, you leave later, get later, get off the bus, play, and then come back home, or in this case, stay up there. You're going to switch things up and go a little early again. Explain. Yeah, we, uh, uh, we're going to leave for Toledo at uh, 9 o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning. That way we can get up to, the, uh, get up to Toledo, have a pregame meal, and then check in the hotel so the guys uh, have a little more normalcy to their day and um, play there Saturday night and then uh, Sunday. So we did that against Chicago where we, um, instead of uh, practicing and then you know, leaving at 1 o'clock in the afternoon and pulling right into the rink and playing, I think it's... Uh, I think the players appreciate it, and it gives them a little bit more rest and a little more uh, normalcy to their day if we get up there and check in the hotel and, and, and go from there. So I'm excited. Not too often we get to stay in Toledo and, uh, and have some sort of uh, schedule there. So, um, yeah, that'll be fun. We'll, uh, we'll get up there and get the guys ready, and, uh, you know, let's uh, – it, it's it's funny how the league sets it up with uh, <laughs> these little mini-series. We just finished one with Chicago, and now we got a little mini-series against Toledo, and you know, I'm sure Kalamazoo's down the road here for some sort of set. So, um, no, it's good. I think it keeps uh, it keeps it very competitive, and um, you know, it's a tremendous opportunity for our guys. And it's something that we're not going to address. It's it, it's not looking at. We've got teams behind us that are we're playing. I think it's more about let's win on Wednesday night. We'll see you Wednesday. All right. Thanks for coming, everybody. You too. Thank you for being with us. We'll hopefully have you in the house. Wednesday night is the Cyclones host Toledo, 730, with our pregame coverage beginning at 715. For Jared Scaldi, Dan Eves, David Ledier, and Rob Roberts, I'm Nick Brunker. See you next week or maybe sooner on Wednesday. This is the Cyclones Radio Network.